Welcome to the EDU Exchange Podcast, where Kelly and I hold conversations to help raise awareness, challenge our thinking, and promote positive EDU change. Today's topic is on international education. We are delighted to have Jeremy Williams from Abu Dhabi joining us today. Jeremy is the head of school at Manor Hall International School and host of Disrupted TV Presents Dismissed. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm excited to, to be the interviewer versus the, or the interviewee versus the interviewer. It's very exciting for me. I actually was going to ask you about that. Like you're on the other side all the time. So for us, this it's is... a privilege to have you and be able to chat with you and, you know, the I'm so much more relaxed on this side because I'm not worrying about my questions. I just have to answer yours. This is, uh, this is nice for a change. First of all, honestly, you are literally one of my favorite, favorite podcasts. I mean, you know, it doesn't get much better. It's so relaxed and so easygoing all the time. I know I wrote that out there, but it, it sounds like you're just so natural and you have everything. But I know that because I'm on this side, you've got it. You're, you're prepared. You're ready. You've got some things happening, but it doesn't feel like that when you're, when I'm listening to you, it's just so natural. It's It's really really weird. It's like, sometimes I want to script things pretty tightly, but the most I'll ever script something is three questions. That's the most I'll ever do beyond that. I just kind of want to see where the conversation goes. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's been the ones that I never expect to go someplace marvelous that typically do. But I think like for the podcast, the reason why I've had a lot of fun is I'm not looking for, and this is no offense to the Dave Burgess crew, but like I've been trying to lift up people's voices that aren't getting amplified necessarily by massive audiences because I just, I find all these good people within our PLN or just people who have interesting things to share and they're not, they don't have a book, you know, but their story is worth sharing. And I've found a lot of fun in finding people that maybe haven't been on 10,000 different podcasts yet and, and getting into it with them. I get a sense yeah. of uh, enjoyment out of that. Well, you just had a good week with that, though. You had uh, you dropped three in one week. That was pretty awesome. I'm dropping awesome. three this week, too. So <laughs> nice. Wow. Yep. You've been I, busy. I've been, I've been, well, you know, the baby. I had a baby in June, and that kind of took me out, slowed me down a little bit, and then started school, slowed me down. So now yeah. I'm just like, I got to churn these out so I can make room to interview more folks. So uh, I feel bad when they're sitting and not edited so yeah no that's wow. that's great i am um you know i'm a tech guy so i work in a school and i've i'm in a leadership position and i'm i serve on a board i do all this stuff and i'm just always fascinated with the stories i, ju- I just am so this podcast is a little different because we're not super structured and no offense to anyone else but when people have a a, a podcast that has to follow a certain dialogue because that's their brand i just don't think it's authentic i mean I, i've heard people that i know are low tech get on a podcast that may be a technical podcast and they feel like they have to change their answers because they're trying to fit into, you know, the narrative. And it's just, I don't like it. So we're, we're kind of doing the same thing. We maybe have three questions that we kind of want to circle around. Um, but it's really just a conversation. That's the whole point. That's, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have a co-host and a platform that would give us up to three or four people, because I'm always fascinated by the conversations that are happening you know, around the water cooler or in the faculty room or because that's where you get real answers. Uh, people have their guard down. It, it's, it's just a better dialogue. Plus, I, I can learn so many different perspectives so that I can go back and serve my teachers better when I'm advocating for them. Yeah, I mean, it's authentic and 
you get more out of it. I know our last podcast, I had a slew of questions ready to go and they were answered in the first like two minutes. And then <laughs> well, I was like, like with, what? <laughs> with Pran Patel, um, we, yeah. I didn't want to even speak to him before we started recording. I wanted it totally captured. I didn't even want the hello captured. I wanted right. it all to be just, you know, a reaction to uh, two people talking about something. And yeah. I, I mean, I like that. So I'm really excited to be a part well, of this. Well, it turned yeah. out fantastic. That I mean, was, um, it was the scariest episode I've ever done because I was waiting in waters that I was not tremendously comfortable with, but it was probably one of the most rewarding for me, for sure. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. he's a brilliant, brilliant man. So I would say being in his presence, I would be a little on the shaky side myself, just being awe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to show me around London in two weeks, so I'm really looking forward nice. to that. Oh, that's awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah. All right, well, to be conscious of your time and uh, – and before my kids wake up and start running around the house, <laughs> the main thing we wanted to kind of talk about was international education and opportunities. There's so many misconceptions that are out there or missed opportunities because teachers don't know even what exists. I would say that too. Like just knowing um, maybe not that missed opportunity, they don't know how to go about getting into it. Like there's so much to like, I would have to say when I was young, coming out of college or just being, you know, single before I was married, before kids came along, international teaching was always on my forefront. To be honest with you, international teaching is still on my forefront, but my life is already kind of set here. So I'm here, but I didn't know where to go. I had no idea where to even start. Who do I talk to? But we can get into that a little bit. I, I'm a little interested in this, the teacher shortage. Um, around the world this isn't something that's just new there it's it's a problem here in the united states as well i have a lot of thoughts on that so um you just tell me when you want me to start going and i'll start going i would i want to ask like do you, is the teacher shortage here in the usa that that has to be a huge issue that's happening for you then too a part of the reason behind your shortage when we don't have enough teachers even here in the United States to fill spots. I mean, any teacher could find a job right now. I feel like that. I mean, we're short on math and science and foreign languages and uh, special education. We don't have enough teachers. So does that affect everything that's happening with you? Yeah, it does. I mean, ironically, when Trump was elected, I saw a huge uptick in CVs and resumes overnight. No, I'm not joking. I, people were <laughs> starting to apply um, because the the it, regardless of what your political leanings are, like right. you know, people were just they it was for whatever reason you know they wanted to to look at international education. But I mean, it we have the same teacher shortage. But I feel like one of my massive advantages is my hiring philosophy and kind of how I go about that. And you know, I think like the the thing that's interesting about the teacher shortage is that we act as if there's not one. Meaning like yeah. we want to evaluate the hell out of teachers and we want to, you know, um, critique their performance and we really don't want to support them. We really want to judge them. The states require us in many states to ascribe them a rating um, and compare them to others. And it's like, is that the way you really want to treat people if the goal is to encourage more of them to enter the field and retain the ones that are already in the field? And I don't really like there's a disconnect there. Like. We, we really need to be thinking about like, how do we professionalize the teaching profession and how do we like support people? Because, you know, 
like to my point, I had this realization of like, I have to cook with the ingredients that I have because there aren't teachers growing on trees. There's certainly not American teachers growing on trees in Abu Dhabi. It doesn't exist. So I think from my mindset, it's like, take the people that are here and make them better. And that's actually like the administrator's creed, I feel like. It's like, work with who you have, commit to them and make them better. And if you can't do that, then you're just a victim of your own hiring. You better hire really damn well if you can't coach people and make them better. Well, even hiring like amazing teachers need that support. And, and amazing teachers, like you said about the evaluation system, it's incredibly stressful to even go through it year after year after year. And you're right, you know, I would think that if you have a teacher shortage, which is so clear, why not support and encourage and make sure that these teachers are, you know, well-loved, well-supported, and well-encouraged to stay into this profession? And it's super competitive here. People are usually on one-year to two-year contracts. So there's this agency that every teacher has here to really make a choice on where in the world they want to be, who they want to work for, what area they want to be in. And so, like, you, you know, it's not tenure. You know, people aren't just like, well, I'll stay because I'm tenured. No, you have to continue to fight for keeping your people and other people want them. And if you're developing them, they're becoming good and other people want them as well. And so, uh, you know, I think the mindset of being a free agent, it's just like sports, you know, like you see these athletes that go on these one year contracts, these prove it contracts and they bet on themselves. And I think like with teachers, they're every two years able to go someplace else. And that provides them with a lot of opportunity to think about, you know, what it is that they want for themselves. And they're kind of coveted in that sense here, more so than I feel like they are in the States. I feel like a lot of people look at the the retirement fund and the tenure and then just go, oh, well, I've got them now. And in some ways they kind of do. So it keeps you definitely on your toes because you are always trying to retain your good teachers. Well, you're also incentivizing, if I'm saying that the right way, their continued learning. Every teacher should be a life learner, but people do fall into the lull of doing things a certain way based on how the school or standards or what's being pushed down dictate. Uh, and so, so the, some of my thoughts on international teaching and, and some of the things I was curious about was it, from what I, what I saw, it looks like the teachers have a lot more freedom uh, because you don't have the same sort of rigid system of evaluation, as you mentioned already, and also standards. So, you know, what, if you could speak about what would be appealing for a teacher who might be listening that would want to go over there as possibly opportunity uh, to grow themselves and to be able to lead their classroom, which most, most teachers want to do. And then sometimes you just fall into this thing where you have to do it a certain way because that's the way it's always been done. Yeah, I mean, beyond the financial, which we can get into too, kind of how international teaching looks from like a salary perspective and benefits, et cetera. Like, yeah, there is definitely a sense of uh, we don't have standardized testing here. Now, in, in Abu Dhabi, we're inspected by the federal government every two years. It's a five-day process where they watch teaching and learning. They talk to parents. They talk to teachers. They ask teachers, What's the last feedback your administrator is giving you regarding your teaching and learning? So, I mean, it's like, it's a pretty comprehensive process, but it's a fair one in my opinion. And I feel like it's, it's a heck of a lot more fair to say, what is your vision statement school? Ours is to connect students to their purpose and passion. And then from there go, like, are you doing that or not? 
and what's the evidence? And like, right. that's the, the process here. I mean, we, we are, we've built out like competency, skills, and values that align to that vision statement. So like being multicultural, multilingual is one of them. A lot of them are Dr. Tony Wagner's, um, you mm-hmm. know, his 21st century stuff. Like, but you know, we can build curriculum around that and that's really freeing um, it's really freeing from a, a teaching and learning perspective because you can actually feel like you're a part of something. And I would say for me, like why I got so sort of open to this international education idea is I also, I started thinking about the type of education I wanted my kids to get too. Right. And you know, I don't, I, I've learned that being smart really doesn't mean much. I, and the people that I see who are really doing well in adulthood, they have the EQ they have the, the, you know, the ability, they, they have a commitment to something that they're passionate about doing. And I just felt like if I stayed there, the, the overwhelming likelihood was that my kids would get tested to death and they would think that being good at school meant getting grades. And that just wasn't kind of what I imagined for them. And coming over here has been really, really nice because you get to determine your own sort of vision uh, for what your school wants to achieve or your school already has one if it's an established school My school was not established when I came in so I was kind of starting from scratch in a lot of ways But that freedom is it's really nice and it makes the work feel meaningful in a different way than it felt when I was back home And, and when you I guess if you can just talk a little bit about your experience or if you're if you're seeing speaking of the experiences of some of your teachers who have uh, moved overseas as far as a community sense, how wonderful is that? I mean, when I, when I look this up, when I see videos, what seems really appealing is that the community is embracing the teachers uh, and yeah. maybe, make, maybe making them feel more appreciated at, than, than what we do in the States. It's, it's hard because I had never, and, and Dave, I think you're in the private sector, right? Your yes. school's a private school. Like, I'd never been in a private school, and so... There is this aspect of, you know, you are, a, you are providing a service to a person and they are paying you for that service. And that definitely being an international school feels a little different. It doesn't feel gross to me, but, you know, you have this kind of feeling of customer service and you also have this feeling and very good knowledge that if they don't like it here, if you don't do a good job of meeting their child's needs, they're not going to stay. They're going to go down the street. We exist on a road called School Road. It is literally door to door international schools, as far as the eye can see. Uh, the traffic is the worst imaginable. Um, you've never seen anything like this in arrival or dismissal. It's it's drop bananas. off and pick up. Oh my God, it's crazy. But you know, like there is plenty of competition, and so you know, I do think that you you feel a sense of trying to um, serve your children in a different way. And on top of that, the parents, you know, they, I feel like the majority of them, they really want good teachers for their kids, like everyone does everywhere. And so, yeah, if you're a good teacher and they know you're a good teacher, and and more importantly, they sense that you really care about being a part of the community, yeah, they welcome you in that community. And, you know, they treat you very, very well. Uh, And it is a little different, you know, I mean, the international education thing, it's a massive sacrifice, right? You're giving up your family, you're giving up. Um, watching the Chicago Bears at a reasonable hour, you're giving up uh, a lot of things. You're gaining a lot of things too. But you know, when it comes down to it, it's still sacrifice to be here. And so it is nice to feel like that sacrifice is appreciated by the 
the folks uh, in which you serve. I do appreciate that. So, Jeremy, if, um, if a teacher, well, let me go back to this. In the United States, we have a shortage, um, a massive shortage. And as of lately, they've been issuing like emergency certification um, to get more teachers into the school, especially if you're math or science. Um, uh, I know that even at my daughter's school right now, they needed um, a design tech teacher. She's not certified in that actual degree, but she's getting an emergency degree to, to be able to teach this course. Um, it, have you seen anything like that happening? They're, they So you can hire outside of an approved content area, but they fine you if you okay. do. So if I want, really needed a calculus teacher and I couldn't find one, so I found this physics teacher that said he could do it, I could do it, but I'd take a fine for it. And um, they're, they have, they're just starting to kind of um, transition to teach. They're becoming very American. They have their first batch of charter schools happening this fall in the public wow. sector here. That's so great. it's it's a full on American experience uh, happening out Competition's here. Competition's getting higher. It, well, it, it's, it's a different story for a different episode, I suppose, if I want, want to talk about the public schools here. Um, but, you know, it, it's uh, the idea of being creative of finding teachers like I have a type like I look for Midwestern people because the cost of living there is lower so the value of coming abroad is higher mm -hmm. um, I like people who are new in their career and at the end of their career both uh, so you know I've kind of identified certain look for's in a CV uh, I love hiring Muslim Americans to come because they're already from a culture perspective very easy to adapt and figure out kind of what life will be like here they're not going to, you know, have any culture shock or anything. So, like you, you figure out who those um, types are that you really want to go for, and then like you, you just go after them very aggressively. And and that's the part of it, the hiring end that's kind of fun, is it is like you're in free agency, like you're a, a coach. You're you, you know, these hiring fairs happen, and I take it very seriously, and I try to compete for the best candidates possible. And that like adrenaline shot every year is fun to me. Um, and sometimes you need a big group and sometimes you need a small group, but, um, I think it's a fair process for all, everyone involved. You know, it's again, that agency for a teacher to say, I've done two years here. I want to go to Athens, Greece, or I want to go back to Texas. I think, uh, professionalizes the, the teacher and makes them have agency in the decisions that they, they have and regarding their career. And I just don't think you get that when you're in the U S because, you know, you have your house and you can't just sell your house and, you know, your kids are, are established. And for us, like, um, you know, with little kids, it is, uh, you know, it's it's a situation that we feel like is really good for us out here right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that agency for teachers, I think, is huge. And if teachers just wake up, if the sleeping giant wakes up and they recognize like, wow, I don't really need this school anymore. When that happens, uh, the teachers will will take will take the power back and things will start to change. Salaries will start to change and things will massively change. They can't do it without teachers. And I feel like teachers lose sight of that and administrators lose sight of that too. I mean, you, you, if you've worked in a high school ever, you know what losing the calculus teacher means. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. Like how are we gonna find someone who can teach this? And so I think teachers just kind of need to wake up and, and figure out like, well, I could do this job here or, you know, like, I think to your point, Kelly, like 
if I would have known at 25 what it was like out here, I would have come a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can I can I take a little bit of a uh, a turn here and I'll let me know if this is something that we don't want to put in. I'll edit it out. But when it comes to school violence, because obviously it's a hot topic in the U.S. Um, and not only because of the shootings that have been happening and, and some of the other things, but even just the teachers who are being assaulted by students. I don't know how to word this properly, but is that something that you see, you don't hear as much about in international schools? I can only, I've been in an international school now in the UAE for four years, and then I've visited as an accreditation agency, a school in Baku, Azerbaijan. So I've only been to two places and actually seen the schools in person. But in the UAE, I mean... I don't know. It's pretty simple. You can't get a gun here. Right. The police don't even carry guns here. They have little little billy clubs. They're cute what the police carry around with them. I mean, they're not inflicting any harm to anyone. There is a general just sense of, you know, you there are laws against um, what you post on the Internet here. I mean, there's just a general sense of civility that is demanded um, by everyone who lives here. And because guns are not accessible... No, like I don't, I don't have any concern about a school shooting happening because I know that the likelihood that someone's going to get a gun, they'd have to be military, you know, right. uh, because there's, they're just not out here. So, like, I don't want to make this a one-note song about gun control in the U.S. because you could put sixty guns around me in a circle and I'm not going to go into a school and start shooting people. Sure. So, it's a more complex issue than just that. But yeah, um, I think the biggest eye-opener was like you hear about what the Middle East is like from being an American. But when you come and you look around, you just go like, okay, that's not what I expected. Right. You know? I didn't expect that if I wanted to get a beer, I could. I didn't expect that if I wanted to go see Bruno Mars or Jay Balvin, I can go to, like, it, it's all the, to me, it's like a lot of the best parts of being back home are here still. Um, even from like getting a Texas Roadhouse, I mean, it's it's like it's weird. It's the creature comforts that are here too, but right. like I just it made me go if this is if the Middle East is like this and America tells me it's like that, what yeah. the hell else is happening in the world that I'm just blissfully ignorant to? Yeah, just just watching the news and listening to it. Yeah, that's one of the things I was trying to kind of pull out. So thank you for saying that so so eloquently. Um, is you know. Because of different stereotypes and because of the way that that we think the rest of the world is or their view of Americans, sometimes that might hinder people from taking these chances. So um, thank you. And I think like when you do the actual research, when you you get off of CNN or Fox News and you see that Abu Dhabi has been the safest city in the world for three years in a row, like you, you don't have to go very far to to figure it out. But you know, I mean, honestly, my mom, when I told her I was going, she said, you're ruining your career. That's what she told me. Said, you know, my mom was a teacher for over 30 years, you know, so she understands education. And, you know, she's like, this is a terrible idea. And, you know, our whole philosophy was like, if this sucks, we'll come home. That's so all we you have were, to lose. You are married. Did you have children as well when you decided to go? Yeah, we brought our kids over uh, six months and two years at the time. And now we have a three-month-old also. So now they're five, three, and three months. And is your wife a teacher as well? Yeah, she was a Spanish teacher, but she's a stay-at-home mom now. And I mean, that's the other part of it, too. It's like 
so this, the, the financial literacy component figures into this because it's not really about straight line, you know, you make so much money. You know, you, you have to do the analysis on what a package looks like for an international teacher, and they all range. They're different, different places, different schools, different calibers of schools. But like, you know, it's about the, uh, for, for most, it's just about the elimination of bills and tax and some of these things that, you know, cost a lot, like health insurance. I mean, health insurance, I mean, uh, for me, it's free for our, well, for everyone here, it's free. And I mean, I was in the hospital for how knows, God knows how long when my appendix burst and I literally paid zero when I walked out. And I was just like, yeah. man, even with insurance back home, I know how much I would have paid with that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it. It, it, there are it's definitely not uh, international education like is definitely not like oh you know every day i'm so happy that i'm here no it it comes and goes but i always think it's funny when someone will say like are you safe out there and i'm thinking dude are you safe chicago yeah. they had 54 people yeah. killed last weekend what are you talking about like i'm in the most dangerous city in the world yeah um. like i'm <laughs> look i'm good man are you okay uh because right. you know like our perspective is that it's so dangerous and america's so safe and um, you know, I've been pretty amazed at, um, seeing different places in the world and how it wasn't, it just wasn't what I kind of imagined it to be from the perspective of being an American. Can I ask you another question? So uh, I do work at an independent school. I feel like more so those schools, because we are competing and especially like you said, your own school lane, right? So, or school road. So you got a bunch. Do you feel like you have to reinvent the wheel so many times like you do in the U.S.? So, so, for example, there's a lot of teachers that feel like every year you have to have a new initiative because innovation. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I would say that there's a healthy amount of that in the independent schools out here. But you know, the way we built our brand as a school was on trust. That was our you know, technology changes, and our building is not what I would describe as a sexy school building. But like, what we the way we became successful with parents in enrollment was we were just honest with people. When we screwed mm -hmm. up, we took responsibility for it and we tried to do better. And that, that was kind of the, that was a difference. It wasn't some new program. And I mean, trust me, I've been wrapped into, I've gotten wrapped into the uh, like innovation whirlpool as much as anyone else. But um, I've, I've just kind of started to think about how and uh, talking with Aubrey Patterson a couple of weeks ago of just like, how do we start to be innovative through like reduction as an innovation strategy? And I'm like, like I want we're removing teacher evaluations this year. Like, oh, it's it doesn't necessarily have to be creating something new or some extra initiative, but there is this competitive sense uh, in terms of enrollment, you know, uh, and you know, things, the challenge is that things change for a small independent school like us, you know, when most of our school population, the children are, are children of, public school teachers from America and then the, they stop hiring Americans and the Americans leave to go to China. Like there's some transients there. And like from a marketing perspective, you have to kind of figure out what, well, what are we going to do? You know? Um, so it, it is one of the complexities of it all, but I think it's also one of the parts that makes it the most fun. Yeah. I would just imagine being that many schools in one area. Um, I used to complain because being in technology, I would call it like the NASCAR effect. It was like, well, how many, how many bumper stickers or how many sponsors do you have on your car? We need the same ones. Well, oh, you have interactive boards, so we need interactive boards. Even though we may have already had the technology where the teachers could wirelessly project their tablet, but because yeah. the other schools had interactive boards, perception dictated that we needed it to learn. So I was just curious um, 
if that was as relevant over there, especially with technology, because I feel like as as much as I love technology, it's kind of over uh, emphasized um, when it comes to the importance in education. Because well, you have to do it well, you have to understand why you're using it to really implement it the right way. I think like what you're describing is the difference between two-dimensional chess and three-dimensional chess, right? Two-dimensional chess, like I have this technology, we have one-to-one Chromebooks, we have 3D printers. Like three-dimensional chess is like we have students that create authentic work. Our students right. are happier than your students. Um, our Our children leave with a sense of purpose. It's like... Those kind of like Q factors, you know, if you can invest into making those happen, like they may not get you the initial return. They may not get you the initial, but once it starts happening and that momentum starts to build, like it's, it's change that you enjoy leading and it makes working in a school fun. Great. So let's just say <laughs> we've got, uh, we got a teacher that really wants to come out there or, or just get into international teaching. Um, What's the first thing that they really need to do? Do they need to be a certified teacher in the United States? Not or is there more is okay, so that's one thing. And then is there like once you go into international teaching, is there another process of training that they have to go to before they can actually be in a classroom? So kind of walk us through there. Yeah, I mean, if you are a teacher who um, you know, you're like mid career, like mm -hmm. you've been teaching for a while you're stable in your job and you want to you want to make sure you take a leap forward typically having international baccalaureate experience is a really good thing to have so getting even like a certification in IB or taking some courses in the IB program will help you because people that are hiring for IB schools need to have IB teachers so that that's put you into you know top caliber schools kind of right off the bat so that's a easy easy tip um but, you know, you can teach English in China and some of these places with just a, a bachelor's degree in anything. And, I mean, you know, I think the first thing you should do is email me your CV. This is the first thing you should do. You should send it to me first and let me okay. let me look. And I say that joking and seriously because one of the things I want to start doing is helping people match with international schools. Because right now there's people making all this money off of doing it. And I don't want to charge anyone to do that. I want to do it for free. Uh, nice. because it, 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 doesn't have to be a business. Um, and there's people like GRC, um, you should look up GRC, uh, it's a global recruitment consortium. They're doing this work for free too, on a massive scale, but you, you know, send me your CV, DM me, ask questions about what it's like. I can answer those questions for you. I, the best advice is to find people in the places through Facebook or through Twitter that you want to be. Um, like I had really had a huge desire to end up in Spain. I found a vice principal who was working in Spain. Shout out Jeremy Majewski, if you're listening to this. And then I had a conversation about what it was like there to kind of see, you know, from an administrator's perspective who's already there, like, you know, what's it like? So connect with people that are doing it and they'll tell you and you can find quickly owner's reputation, school's reputations. What type of school is it? Is it a good fit? You know, and you can kind of do your own research, but there are companies that you can use also, um, like Search Associates or ISS. Um, they're all fine. Um, the, the best one on a budget is the University of Northern Iowa. They do a hiring fair in, oh gosh, I'm trying to think, of, Cedar Rapids at uh, UNI. I go there usually every year to hire wow. because mid, I want Midwesterners. So that's like 
that's like the happy place yeah. for me because it's a bunch of Midwesterners all looking to move abroad. And so it's like a, it's a weekend in February for that, but you just need to connect with people that are already doing it and ask them questions. So you kind of have to have no shame, which is fortunate for me that I don't have any shame, uh, but you just have to like connect with people and ask them and they'll tell you. Uh, I had Kevin Simpson, he's at Global KDSL on Twitter. I had connected with him several times to ask what it was like in the UAE because I had found him on LinkedIn uh, and I was able to ask him. So just do the homework yourself and you know find a place that that fits for you and be clear about what your goals are in coming if your goal is to travel be prepared that you know the sexiest destinations in europe are not going to pay as much money as the middle east or china will so mm -hmm. you know be clear on what your goal is that if your goal is that you really want to travel europe in a train then don't come to asia and if your goal is that you want to save money maybe you look in japan or you look in the middle east so it's different for everybody what, what's the support for um, a teacher coming abroad? Like when they, they're leaving their family, their homes, or everything that they know, what kind of support is set up for them to be taken care of? Well, it, it ranges. So I can talk to you about my experience the first time I got here uh, with my family was that there was no, like the person who was picking us up from the airport didn't get there on time. So we were here in Dubai by ourselves, no clue what we were doing. I, now, the school owner d denies this happens, but I remember it happening. I called him. And I had his phone number because I was smart enough to bring that. Thank God. And I called him. I said, hey, you know, I'm waiting with my family to get picked up. And he said, welcome back. And I said, I've never been here before. You have no clue who I am. Right. This is very concerning. He says that's not the case. So we argue about this all the time, uh, Mr. <laughs> Halil, my, my boss and, and pal. So, you know, it, it's not always smooth. For sure. We've learned in four years how to smooth it out. And we've learned what, so like one of the things that I do is for everyone who's new, I do a one month meeting with them. I just wrap them up today. How are you? First, tell me about what your 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. is like. Okay, how's school going? All right, now tell me what your 4 p.m. to 8 a.m. is like. Are you getting along socially? Are you feeling isolated? Because like, you know, coming here with a family is one thing, but coming here by yourself, yeah. it's a totally different thing. And I never forget about that. And I tried to create a sense of family among our staff, but it ranges, you know, you get in some schools and that, that well-being thing is really important and you get into others and, you know, you get here, they drop you off at your hotel for six nights and they tell you to show up to school on the seventh day. It, you know, we, when we get people, we take them to get their SIM cards, we take them to dinner, we get them into their accommodation. We show them how the hot water heater works. We make sure their Wi-Fi is on. And this is all stuff that we didn't do at first that I learned over time really matter. Um, so yeah, I, I remember being our second night here in the UAE and we were in a hotel because our accommodation wasn't ready yet. And I just remember that the, uh, one of our colleagues got us, went to take us to get food, which was nice. So we had some food and we were sitting in the hotel room. This is a six month old baby two-year-old baby, my wife and I, and we were all eating KFC and crying at the same time because we were like, what the heck did we do? You know, why did we come here? This is frightening. What is that call to prayer noise? Why is it going off at four in the morning? I mean, there's just so much going on. Yeah. Uh, so you do need to find your group. And the thing that's nice about the UAE is it's so diverse. So there's a, there's a uh, Mexicanos in Dubai group for Latinos and 
you know, you, you kind of find your own sort of, if you're in a sorority or fraternity, you find your chapter, you know, you, you figure out what those things are. But part of my job is to make sure that everyone's okay. Because yeah. if they're, if they're 4 PM to 8 AM is off, their 8 AM to 4 PM is going to be just as off, if not worse. Yeah. Well, and because you walk this yourself, you have a lot more empathy and understanding for Definitely. what we're all going to be going through when we show up. Um, that really helps. So, I mean, honestly, connecting with you would be the first thing I would do going into international teaching. I really want to start doing... Emailing you would be my step one. <laughs> yeah, doing some webinars and, you know, starting to talk to people about this because, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not working for some corporation. They have no interest outside interest in this. This is just me trying to help people. And I, you know, I know what this opportunity has done for me in my life and my family's life in terms of being able to travel to Nepal or go to Bali and do these things that I would have never been able to afford to do in my lifetime with my family. And I just want that for others because it's uh, it's a great experience. Even if you only do it for two years, it's a great experience, you know? And so, yeah, I'm happy to help and connect with people along that line. And, uh, I'm really excited to just kind of start doing work with that. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's amazing to have a head of school who is looking out for all of, all of his employees the way that you're talking about doing it. So kudos to you. Um, obviously, you would be the first person I send anyone to just based on the way that I've seen you raise other people up on social media, on your own podcast. And uh, I, I think you're just doing great things. And we, we really appreciate your time. No, it was great to be here. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we we head well, off? I, I only have one more quick question. I'm sorry. I mean, literally, like, my daughter, she's 25 years old, so she was she's home tonight, or she was been home this weekend, um, and so she was reading through my questions and, uh, well, taking notes and stuff, and she was like, oh, my God, okay, can I talk to him, too? Um, you know, she was just, but she's just wants to know, like, what's the price difference in like, is salary, like starting salary. You said it's like really different from school to school to school here in this mission, like even the state of Michigan, it varies from district to district. So depending on where you get hired, you know, you could be starting at 20,000 or 30,000 yeah, uh, with is, insurance and, you know, this, this is the, uh, this is another example of three dimensional chess. Like you, you have to look at the totality of the package. So for example, I can give you a contextually specific example in the UAE electric and utilities are very expensive. They're marked up for expatriates. So in a deal where you maybe make less money, but your utilities are covered, that's a good deal. You need to, you need to do the math and see, and you know, free health insurance. Free health insurance. Um, most places do round trip flights for you and your dependents every year. Um, most places will take care of your housing and pay your rent. Um, wow. So, I mean, you know, you it depends on the school. And the salaries could range anywhere from $30,000 per year, but, you know, no tax, no housing, no whatever. So that's, you know, you're, that's just clean money for you. Wow. And it can go up to forty-eight, fifty, sixty thousand, depending on the school, the level of prestige with the school, um, the type of position it is. So, and and that's just in the UAE. It ranges greatly in Europe. Europe obviously pays less, um, but you know, then there's a lot of people who are. I mean, I've had more people leave the UAE for China this year than uh, than ever before. So, 
you know, you, you get connected into what's going on. But it, I mean, I think the mindset is it's not about what you're making. It's about what you're not spending. And that right. is what you have to think about. Cause like when yeah. you calculate the tax that you pay, your health insurance premiums, whether you use it or not, you start going through that math. You know, you may look at your salary in the UAE or some other country and you go, it's, it's less. Yes, it is. But you have to do the, the totality of what you're getting and figure out if it's a good deal for you. Some people come just to live a better quality of life, you know, because they can actually afford to stay in a hotel on the weekends and go out to dinner. And I mean, let's be honest, it's really hard to survive paycheck to paycheck in America. Even as a superintendent of a school, it was hard to survive. I mean, um, that that is the thing that I don't think people understand economically. You know, it it is better in other places. And, you know, you have, uh, you know, being an American, something that I didn't realize as an American was how lucky I am to have an American passport because it allows me to go to these places and do these things. And there's people from other countries that don't have that level of uh, respect attached to their passport. And that's a really sad thing. Um, but, you know, there's lots of opportunities out there. It's fantastic. Jeremy, again, is a pleasure. You're one of my favorite uh, tweeps, you know, as far as online, your podcast which is Disrupted TV Presents Dismissed, is just amazing. Uh, how many episodes have you done? We're just over 50 now, but I'm cranking out. I'm getting at least 50 in this year alone. Wow. My, wow. So I'm, I'm looking, and that's the thing. Like, If you are listening to this and you have a story to share, I don't care about how many followers you have. I don't care about your book deal or lack thereof. I want good stories that are going to resonate with people. The one I just did with Chris Saldana was a great example of like, yeah. it was such a powerful story. His story of... Uh, for those of you who don't know Chris, of actually going to Notre Dame, graduating with this degree, <laughs> then going like, I don't want to do with, I don't want to study with this degree. I don't want to work in this field. Going to be a substitute teacher and then working his way up to get a doctorate in education and be a school leader, I think is just a, an example of a really incredible story that I'm so fortunate to have the opportunity to capture and share with others. So yeah. I'm always He's looking for stories to share. Incredible, incredible. I love Chris. Just his... Uh... His kindness is unbelievable. His support for everybody around him. He's just a really, really true, wonderful guy that, you know, cares for people. And to hear his story on your show, oh my gosh, my respect for him, like I said, went through the ceiling. I was just like, he's just a really wonderful person. Yeah, I loved that show that you did. And that that is just an example of like, I feel like what I'm trying to do is capture those stories. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not trying right. to interview the same person that everyone else has. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find people who have something new to say or a voice that hasn't been heard and just try to amplify it. And I don't have some big beacon to amplify it on. I just try to do my best. And yeah. I appreciate all the support that you guys have given to the show over the, uh, the, the last year. I'm super appreciative of that. And, uh, you know, hope that, uh, you both need to come on uh, separately, of course, because I only have Zoom. I can't interview you both at the same time. We're not that high budget. But uh, I'd love to have you both on and get your story shared because, you know, the, the power is not in how many people listen. The power is if it impacts one person. And right. um, that's what makes all of this fun for me. And that's why it's such a passion for me. No, awesome. and, and I think Kelly and I both agree, um, you know, that's why we're doing this and is to try to get we're trying to amplify people's voices because we know there's situations happening, but most people don't talk about it. And it's not, we're not doing this for a book deal. We're not doing this because we have some other brand that we're pushing right now. We just want to be able to 
have conversations with people who are doing mean, meaningful things and doing it in a way that they help lift up others. And yeah. you do a phenomenal job of that. So again, thank you very much. I, I'm going to put it in the show notes. I'm going to have to contact you to make sure I have everyone's information because I want to make sure I get Chris and Kevin and the okay. U, UNI and, and everyone that I, I can put a shout out to in these show notes. So I'll send yeah. you a link for that. And, but, and like your I website. Just name drop a bunch your... more now. Yeah, just do it. Yeah, make, make so. Yeah, okay. and then we'll put your website or your email address and how you know teachers can get a hold of you. Easy, just DM me through Twitter or send me a message through LinkedIn. Easiest ways to go. Oh, okay. And happy to yeah. connect on both of those platforms. And uh, I, you know, I, it's the same mission of the podcast, just trying to connect people and support people and put good goodness out there. So awesome! Thanks, Jeremy. My Thanks, pleasure. Jeremy.